Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or go to the story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's service. So Julie and I got married when we were just 21 years old. And when you get married that young, it means one thing. You don't have any money. You're broke, okay? So our honeymoon was a drive to Denver with my sister who helped pay for gas because she needed a ride to DIA to get back to her house. We spent two nights in Denver just trying to find the cheapest things we could do. And then we cut it short because we were like, we don't have any money. What are we doing up here? Let's just go home where we can at least go back to school and do all of the things. And so we were like... A couple years later, we were like, okay, we get to go on a real vacation. So we booked a trip to Aruba, and we called this like our official honeymoon. Now, we learned some things on this trip. I learned that I don't just tan. I also burn very badly. When you are on the face of the sun, and you don't put sunscreen on for an entire day, and you just lay out on the beach, bad things happen. A week later, I was peeling brown, like, layers of skin off of my shoulders, it got so bad. And so I said, okay, maybe we're not lay on the beach type of people, which we didn't have kids back then. So of course we weren't lay on the beach people back then. Now it sounds amazing. That's all I wanna do is just do that. So we said, okay, let's try something different. Let's go on a cruise. We'd never been on a cruise before. And so here we are, we board this uh, cruise line and it's called the Princess Cruise Line. And this was a learning experience. We learned a lot about cruises on this trip. Now we haven't, this was the one and only cruise until this year. We found out we were having Wallace two months after this cruise. So you can understand why we haven't been on a cruise since then. We get on the boat. We learn that certain age demographics are, uh, prefer certain cruise lines. We were the only couple under 50 on this cruise line, <laughs> which is okay. People in that age demographic know how to party too. They just party a little earlier is all, okay? <laughs> we go to the, we like to dance, Julie, I love to dance. So we go up to like their dance club at nine o'clock at night, completely empty, not a soul there. Everybody was already in the bed, already in bed, all right? So we go, okay, we also learned on this cruise, it matters where your, your room is on the boat, okay? If you, are, if you have money, you buy the, the, the room in the middle of the boat because as the boat rocks, the middle isn't quite as affected by it. We didn't have middle of the boat kind of money, okay? We had very, very front, highest room in the boat kind of money. So we're sitting there and I'm not one to get motion sickness, seasickness, okay, Julie on the other hand, like she can't look down, she can't look back and check on kids, she gets sick in a roundabout, a parking lot, you name it, all right? She feels motion sickness like that. I don't get motion sickness. I tell my body what to do, okay? I'm fine. But, but, 
We're sitting there laying in the stateroom in the first night, and it's stormy outside. And it's like trying to sleep on an elevator, all right? It's just like, where you feel it go up, and then back down. And so all night, I'm, I, I got so sick that first night. Thank God for Dramamine. Now, I'm telling you this story because being out to sea, trying to navigate the waters, what we want in our life is calm waters. We want peaceful waters to go through. And sometimes the water is indeed calm. It's a good day, a month. We get that summer of peace. Things are going well. Nothing is rocking the boat. The marriage is good. The, the kids aren't trying to kill each other. Inflation hasn't ruined your retirement plans yet. Then there are times when the storms come up in life and things aren't going well. It hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. And an illness strikes, finances get tight, the job isn't as fulfilling, nobody is getting along at home. Life brings us clear skies sometimes, but it also brings us storms sometimes. Now I want you to think, just think for a moment in your own life. What are you going through? Picture in your own life, if you were to look up at the sky right now, are you seeing blue skies? Or are you seeing dark clouds? Now, no matter where you're at today, we all need to be prepared for when life brings storms because our peace shouldn't depend on the weather. It shouldn't depend on the weather of our life. We should be able to walk in peace in good times and in bad times, in any situation in life. So we're gonna look at this story of Jesus and it's gonna explain how Jesus handled being in a storm and what we can learn from it. So the story begins in the book of Mark and Jesus, fittingly, he, he's on a boat. And Jesus had just finished teaching a large crowd of people and he actually, the crowd was so large and so pressed in on the shore that he preached from this very boat. So they had a decision whether or not to go back to shore, but if they go back to shore, there's all the people and all the people are gonna want things and, and they were so tired, they said, you know what, let's just go ahead and stay in the boat cross and go to the next place. And so we're this, we jump into the story in Mark 4 right here. It says this, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take this verse by verse and we are going to see what we can learn about how we should be able to handle our storms based on what Jesus and the disciples did in this moment. So point number one is this. We gotta remember the instructions. See, in the verse 35, it says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So Jesus is done speaking to the crowd. He says, let's cross the other side of the lake. Notice Jesus didn't say, let's attempt to cross the other side of the lake. No, notice he didn't say, hey, let's see what happens. I'm not sure if we cross the lake. Maybe we live, maybe we don't. And we can read this scripture and we can go, oh, I noticed Jesus said it because the the words were read in the Bible. That's Jesus saying. Or we can go, no, 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 no. Jesus said this. So if Jesus said this, this is something that I need to be paying attention to. This is God saying, let's cross. And God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't go back on his word. Proverbs 35 says that 
every word of God proves true. So we need to understand that when God speaks, it's not something we should just flippantly move, listen and then move on. We can do that with coworkers. We can do that with friends. We can sometimes do that even with spouses at times, but not with God. We need to take note of what he is saying. Exactly, word for word. He said, let's cross. And if he said, let's cross, we're gonna be able to cross. If the disciples were listening to the words Jesus said in that moment, I don't think they would have reacted the same way they did. And the Bible is full of God speaking promises to us. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. And sometimes we're in the storms. We forget. We forget the instructions that God had already said. We forget that in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I have a future and a hope for you, plans for good and not disaster. We forget that he says in 1 Corinthians 10 that, that he will not allow the temptations in your life to be more than you can handle and he will show you a way out. We forget that he says in Psalm 23 that you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You won't fear any evil because I am with you. We forget the instructions sometimes in the storms, but we've gotta remember what he says is in his word. And to be able to remember what he said in his word, we have to be in the word. We have to be reading God's word and listening and letting it soak into us so that in those storms, we can remember those instructions. We need to be reading the word, but we also need to be talking to him, praying, letting him speak directly into our situations. How special of a moment would you, in a storm, if you heard God say, hey, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna get through this. The boat's not gonna go down. So you gotta hold fast to what you have heard God say before the storm. Number two is you've gotta have the right people in the boat. Verse 36 says, so they took Jesus in the boat and started off. If there ever was a right person to have in your boat, there is not a righter answer than Jesus in the boat. So, but that brings me to the question for your own life. Is Jesus in your boat? Have you ever accepted Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior and even for this sermon, let's call him captain of your life? Not just a get out of hell free card, not just a free ticket to heaven, but also letting him lead your life, direct your life, help make decisions, be the Lord of your life. And if you've done that, then the next question is, do you keep Jesus in your boat? Because we, we can have Jesus in our boat right now on a Sunday morning, that's easy. Oh, the worship was fantastic. We felt God's presence. But what happens when we walk out those doors? Does Jesus stay on the boat with us? Or do we just say, it's very, it's very nice to see you today, Jesus. And we leave him on the shore and we go off into our own life. When we experience storms, things are gonna go a lot better if Jesus is already in the boat with us in that moment. So we can't just go, Jesus, uh, we can't just leave him on the shore and go off into our own life. We have to make sure that Jesus stays in the boat with us. The next thing we need to understand about storms is, hey, they can come quickly. The next verse says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves are breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. This storm, it hits hard and it hits fast. And it's not just rocking the boat, it's filling the boat. The boat is going down. And sometimes the storms in our own lives make us feel like the boat's going down. A heartache from a loss, a divorce, all of a sudden losing our job, that health scare, and all of a sudden, maybe it's just one of those days where you, you get a rough night's sleep, and there's an instant drama. As soon as you open your phone, there's that email or whatever, and you walk downstairs, and you're already just not right mentally in that moment, and your kids, they smell blood, and all of a sudden, they realize, mom's not good. 
Should I be nice? No, I should be the opposite of that. And all of a sudden, they just add to the pressure, and it just feels like the day continues. And by the end of the day, you're just like, the boat's going down. I just can't handle this anymore. And, and sometimes just an off day and a few unexpected difficulties can make us feel like that. And it says in the scripture that soon, quickly, the storm came up. And Jesus and these disciples had just done an incredible ministry moment. They had seen people get healed and saved and all these things. And then that storm hits. And so often with our own lives, we have a moment with God. We experience his blessing. We experience his presence. We have an amazing God encounter. We have a really great quiet time when we read that, that scripture that we needed to experience that breakthrough. And then, boom, storm hits. An amazing God moment, and then right afterwards, uh, an argument with your spouse. An amazing God moment, and you get that speeding ticket. You're feeling like God is blessing you, and, and, and he's providing for you, and then you get to work, and you realize they're cutting your hours. Storms come up out of nowhere. And our enemy wants to use these storms to steal what God has done in your life. He wants to steal the joy. He wants to steal the hope. He wants to steal the healing, and he wants to steal the peace. But if Jesus is in the boat, the storm doesn't have to take you out. So the next thing we've gotta do, and this is what Jesus did, is we gotta get some rest. It says that Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The biggest question I have from this verse, really, is what kind of cushion was Jesus using <laughs> that he could sleep in the back of a boat with water and the storm rushing and he could just be out. And what, and if, and what, if, what kind of cushion and or do they still make them? Because can I get one? I didn't realize you would spend so much time as an adult trying to figure out the right combination of pillows for yourself. Like, I need, how many do I need? When I was young, I could sleep on anything. I could sleep on the ground. I could sleep on a couch. I could sleep on a picnic table in the middle of the woods. Now getting older, I have to have the exact right amount of pillows, all right? Two under my head, one between my legs, all right? I'm I'm in my 30s and I need three pillows. Do I just keep adding pillows every decade? Am I gonna be 70 and need seven, some kind of conglomeration of seven pillows? No one told me that getting older meant that I looked forward to going home from vacation or because I would get to sleep in my own bed. Like all of a sudden I'm Goldilocks. This bed is too soft. This bed is too hard. Oh, that's not gonna be from good for my sciatica. Uh, <laughs> Now Jesus is in the back of a boat in the storm and it's filling with water and he's asleep. Why is that? And the point is not what kind of cushion he was using. The point is this, and this is what I want you to hear, that all the chaos, all the tossing and the turning of the storm, turning of the storm didn't budge or even wake our God. To sleep through that had nothing to do with a cushion and it had everything to do with how much Jesus trusted that our Father would get him to the other side safely. The peace he had on the inside was greater than the chaos and the storms on the outside. Amen. The peace that came from knowing that his Father was watching over him, knowing the love, the plans, the power that his Father had. Jesus had a peace, so much so that he was able to rest in the middle of that storm because of his faith in God. And we have access to that peace. Jesus said it directly to us in John 14. He says, peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. The same peace that allowed him to sleep in the middle of a storm. He says, this is the peace that I give you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. 
peace, not like the world's peace. The world's peace completely relies on circumstances being good. It relies on there being clear skies and calm waters. But Jesus' peace can come no matter the circumstances. And yes, there is time to be faithfully watchful and there is time to battle and there's time where it feels like we've just gotta row into the storm and we've just gotta kind of trudge through. But other times, it shows more faith to be at rest, to be able to trust God. It shows more faith to just totally surrender it and say, God, I'm gonna go to bed because I know that you can take care of this. And all through scripture, this is shown. Jesus is sleeping through this storm right now, but even other places, Daniel sleeps in a lion's den. Peter sleeps in a prison. Samson sleeps through a haircut, right? You've got all these different examples. So whatever circumstance you are in, here's what I need you to understand. Never underestimate the power of a nap. Never underestimate the power of a nap. Sometimes all we need is to sleep. Psalms 4, 8 says this, I will lie down and fall asleep in peace because you alone, Lord, let me live in safety. That's how Jesus found rest in that storm. But what about the other people? What about the other people in the this, in this storm, these disciples? It says this, that the, the next point we need to understand is we shouldn't panic. Don't panic in the storm. The disciples woke up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? So how do these disciples react? They shout, hey, what are you doing? Notice this isn't, a cry for help. This is a statement of annoyance with Jesus sleeping whilst they're doing this. And isn't it funny how two similar statements can bring out two different responses? If my kid walks up to me and says, hey, where's dinner? Or, hey, what's for dinner? The first one makes me want to announce mandatory fasting for the rest of the night. <laughs> the second one, it's spaghetti, we're having spaghetti. It's always spaghetti, what are you guys wondering? And so we notice that these disciples reacted this way and we can kind of get judgmental of them. We're just like, they had Jesus, why are they freaking out so much? We, but we should cut them some slack because remember some of these disciples, they were fishermen. They, they had grown up on these waters. They had lived out their days. They had, they had spent all of their time apprenticing and learning how to be on these waters. They had seen Good, storm, good weather, and they had seen bad weather. If anybody knew what a bad storm was, it was these guys. So they knew they were in trouble, and they were probably doing all they could do to stay afloat, and so they're saying to Jesus, hey, why, why aren't you helping? We know this situation is bad. Why aren't you helping? Don't you even care? And we like these disciples during our storms. Do we rest peacefully knowing that Jesus will take care of us, or do we allow the storms to keep us up at night. And I would love to say that my response in storms is a lot more like Jesus. But, I, but if I'm honest with you, and I think if you were honest, a lot of times our responses in the storms look a lot more like these disciples. Do you even care, God? I found myself saying this a lot the last few years. My grandfather passed away uh, a year ago this month, and about 10 years ago, he experienced a series of strokes. And after this, these strokes, it just turned him into a shell of the man that he once was. And, he, and he, we did his best to be able to live on his own, but about five years ago, the, they made this decision, my mother and her sister, to bring him and my grandmother here to live with my mom. And my mom became his full-time caretaker. Now, seeing my grandfather, my grandfather was a veteran. He uh, retired from the Air Force. He was a proud man, and he didn't want to be here anymore. 
He, he could understand the, the, where he was physically, where he was mentally now. And he, as a, as a lifelong believer in Jesus, knew exactly where he was going once this life was over. And he didn't want to be here anymore. He didn't want to have to struggle with walking or doing all these things. So I'm, I'm seeing him in that situation. And I'm seeing my mom struggling to be this caretaker and the stress and the toll and, and the emotional toll that is taking on my mom being this 24-7 caretaker for him and my grandmother. And I find myself asking the question, do you even care, God? And perhaps you're asking the same question. Do you even care, God? Do you care that my bank account overdrafted? Do you care that I'm, I'm lonely and I don't have any friends? Do you even care that my mom is losing her memory? Do you even care that my kids have fallen away from the faith? And rather than asking for help, rather than staying at peace and trusting God, we get frustrated, we get angry, we start to feel entitled, we, we start demanding a rescue from the difficulty we are facing. Like, hey, God, why did you let this happen? If you loved me, this wouldn't have happened. And we sometimes think, that God is asleep, much like Jesus was on the boat, that he isn't paying attention to our situation, that he missed it, that he's not seeing it right now, and that he's not doing all that he can to help keep us from going through that storm. But something that we have to understand about storms is bad things happen in life. John 16, says, in this life we'll have many trials and sorrows. And being a follower of Jesus does not mean that there won't be storms in life, but what it does mean is that we'll get through them. That with Jesus on the boat, you will get through any storm that comes against you. So we need to get some rest. We need to not panic. But then we also need to call for help. Let's see what Jesus did. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And what, what I love about this is it wasn't the wind and it wasn't the waves. It wasn't the water that got Jesus up to help. It was the voice of his children crying out to help, for help. Are you stuck in the storm? And if you are, have you been spending your time complaining about the storm, waiting for God to get you out of it, or are you spending your time asking God to help you out of it? Because those are two very different things. And he may just be waiting for us, his kids, to call on him. And whether or not the disciples had the right attitude or they asked the right question, Jesus immediately got up and stepped in and handled the problem. But the question I have is why didn't they ask for help sooner? Well, I think it kind of goes back to the fact that they were experienced fishermen, that they, they, they thought they could handle it. I mean, as they're literally just getting buckets and trying to keep the water out of the boat and they're steering and they're frantically trying to figure it out and they're just like, we could ask Jesus. And they're like, no, we've got this. It's the equivalent now of like a guy not wanting to ask for directions. That's how I view this, okay? Now, they're doing everything they can to get this boat to stay afloat. And can we all agree that if a woman had been in the boat, you know Jesus would have gotten woken up a lot earlier than he did. And it wasn't until they reached a point where they couldn't do anything else. They were doing all the stuff they knew how to do and it wasn't working and they were going, we are going to die if he doesn't wake up. And is this how our relationship with God works? Only when gets really bad do we go to God. When things are, are just kinda bad or things are just so-so, we're like, I can handle this, I can take care of this, and then things get really bad. And suddenly we call out to God, but it's not God help, it's do you even care? 
It's do you see my problems? Don't you love me? And do you see how illogical that is? We try and handle the problem, the storm ourselves, and we don't go to our father right away. And only when it gets really bad and difficult do we go to him and all of a sudden we come to him with an attitude. The truth is prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. But God is still faithful and he's still good. In 2 Timothy 2.13 it says if we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. He remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. And Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and he says to the waves, silence. And it says that the storm stopped. The next verse is a question from Jesus that I think we all need to look at. He asked his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I think there's the question that we all need to ask ourselves. That if we truly believe that God is for us, not against us, that he's never gonna leave us or forsake us, that he's got our back, then, then why when things go bad, when trouble comes up, do we get so bent out of shape? Why do we get afraid? Why do we lose sleep? Why do we give up our peace in that moment? Where is our faith? And it's funny, when, when I, I, personally, when God comes through for me, I kind of have this moment of just like, why was I so concerned in the first place? And I just look at my track record through my life, through my parents' divorce, through heartbreak, through a, a home burning down, through health scares, through my life, the storms in my life, and how God came through for me every time. When has he not come through for me? Yet the next storm comes up and it's like I completely forget. When has he not protected and provided for me? Where's my faith? And God loves to be the hero. He doesn't always step in right of the way. Sometimes he waits. Sometimes he waits for things to get dark to get dire. One reason he waits is because we haven't asked for help, but sometimes he just wants to step in at the breaking point because everything changes. And why does he do that at times? Why doesn't he rescue us from the storm a little bit sooner? And I think the honest truth is because he knows us. If it was too easy, you know who I'd give credit to? This guy right here. If I got through the storm and it just seemed like no problem, I'd, I'd be giving myself a pat on the back. But when it's bad, when I don't know how I'm gonna get through it, when I don't know how I'm gonna pay the bills, when I don't know if it's gonna, the situation's gonna get better, and I get down on my knees and I pray, God, help, and he does, all I can do in that moment is stand back and go, wow. Wow, God just did that. He just did that. I, I couldn't have done that. I didn't do that. And God wants to help us, but he also wants us to know that he helped because he wants us to learn dependence on him. Because if it was too easy the first time, then I'm just gonna wait longer to ask him the next time. And I'm gonna wait longer the next time. And instead, if we go, I cannot do this without him, we're gonna go to him right away. So to have this summer of peace, and we all want peace, we have to do these things. We've gotta remember those instructions. We've gotta have the right people, or at least person, in our boats. We have to have, understand that storms can come quick. We have to get some rest. We, we can't panic in those moments. We need to call for help. And perhaps right now you're in a storm in your life and you're going, I haven't done anything right. I, I forgot the instructions. I, uh, Jesus isn't in my boat right now and I forgot to take a nap. <laughs> I want you to remember, this wasn't the only time the disciples got stuck in a boat in a storm. And that time, Jesus wasn't in the boat. But the beautiful thing about Jesus and his love and his power is that even if you leave him on the beach, 
he will literally walk on water to come rescue you from the storms of your life. So have peace in the storm with a confidence. Have that confidence in the storm that the boat won't go down because your God, he's with you. And he's with you and he's stronger and he's greater than the mightiest storms of life that you will face. And you will survive the storm you're in right now and you will survive every storm that you face. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you, God, that you're with us. Lord, that you are with us in the storms. God, we choose to remember what you have spoken over our life. And in those moments where the storms come, we choose to remember those instructions. We choose to look to you and keep you in our boat. We choose to ask for help and not panic and seek you in those moments. God, we thank you that you are stronger than anything that we will face, that greater is you that is in us than he that is in the world. God, you are awesome and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, church family, we love you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior and to guide my life, to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.